Welcome back to the Total Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. Our guest this week is Kenosha Soda. She is a former St. Louis Rams cheerleader. She is a former MRSDC America 2016. And she is the host, the writer, and the founder of a radio podcast and television show. She is the definition of success. She has gone from nothing to the top of the top of success. She has a successful family, husband, and she believes in paying it forward. This is one show that is so informal we broke it into two episodes. So I want everyone to please stay tuned for the next two weeks and really listen to her. She has great insight and I hope you guys all learn and become greater people because of this. Stay tuned. And welcome to the show. Hello. Well, we're so excited to have a, um, uh, how, how, how would I say, Rams cheerleader, but you're not you're a Los Angeles Rams, you're a St. Louis Rams cheerleader, um, former, former, yeah. former, yeah. former Mrs. DC, and currently um, having your own broadcast radio show slash TV right. show. So uh, talk about um making the most of, of your entire life on top on top of it <laughs> having a fantastic husband and family life um you're the absolute uh mark and example um to make the most in life is also as well as um you can definitely achieve anything with really hard work so absolutely 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 i think hard work and determination um you know, focus, but I think more so than anything is I think you have to have a, um, you know, I think you have to have a vision for what you want out of life. It doesn't mean that it's always going to come to fruition in the way that you expect it to or the way you want it to. But I think if you always have a certain standard for yourself, then therefore you will create a vision and that vision will create a path. And then, you know, as long as you work hard and you have the wherewithal and the courage, because I, you know, I think courage is underrated sometimes because things are not always easy. And sometimes you just have to throw yourself out there. And I, people say jump out of your box, but I think I have had to like sometimes leap out of my box, kind of almost like skyfall out of my box, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, to get to where you need to get to and, you know, really just have, the confidence and the faith and that things may, you know, that things will work out. And if, and if they don't, that's okay too. Um, comparison to the Baltimore environment, DC environment is St. Louis also a very, um, hard, um, community to live in, um, to grow up in. Like, is there not as many opportunities or, or is it a thriving community where there, there are opportunities, but you have to seek them out? I think um, I think more of the latter. I, I will say being born and raised in St. Louis um, definitely has its advantages and disadvantages. Of course, it will always be home to me. Um, I had the opportunity this past weekend um, to visit and go back home and celebrate my grandmother's 90th birthday with about Aww. 100 family members um, from St. Louis, from Texas, from literally all over the United States. And... Um, you know, I do think that if you ever live in St. Louis or people who are from there, they usually kind of the moniker that it has is that St. Louis is a 
little town or a big city in a little town, basically. So there's a lot there. There's a lot that can be done. There's a lot of education opportunities. There's a lot of arts opportunities, which a lot of people don't realize. Um, I think, though, that, yes, the disadvantage is that um, it is a small space. You know, you heard of um, the movie Six Degrees of Separation. Um, you know, in St. Louis, it's like four degrees of separation. <laughs> um, everybody does know everybody. It is a cheer song, you know, but it's it's kind of more about what you do with it. I was very fortunate to have wonderful parents who have always had education as the top tier, as well as, you know, also really going after the things that make your heart happy. I think I was very um, blessed to have, you know, both parents that saw things the same, but then one parent who was definitely more nurturing towards, you know, um, you know, live your best life, do what makes you happy, gives you joy, never let any body take your joy. Um, and then I had one parent who was like, yes, do that, but make sure you always do it with intent, purpose, and with a um, with an understanding that you're going to have to put in the work. And if somebody says no or closes a door, that's okay. Walk the other direction and find a new one. So I think that having that in an environment that unfortunately isn't as diverse as the Baltimore, D.C., Virginia, DMV area, um, I think, you know, helped a lot and helped me kind of see past what might be things that would have hindered me growing up in St. Louis and, you know, just made the best of it. Not to mention, I just have like the most amazing extremely large family. We are a very, very, very large extended family <laughs> in St. Louis. Um, you know, I grew up with cousins, like as if they were my siblings and aunts and uncles that were basically, you know, additional parents. <laughs> and I was very fortunate to have the majority of my grandparents, um, for most of my, um, childhood, pre-adolescence, adolescence, even young adulthood. I still have two grandparents living. Um, my maternal grandmother, who I just said just turned 90, and my paternal grandfather, who is 96. So, um, you know, very, very blessed to be surrounded by people who made sure that we, even if, you know, didn't have at different times in our lives, you know, every single thing that we wanted, we always had everything that we needed. And, um, you know, we're always there. So yeah, I do think that in many ways, um, St. Louis and Baltimore are actually sister cities. I didn't know if you knew that. <laughs> and there are some similarities, especially in the inner city. Um, I never grew up in the inner city. I grew up in the suburbs of St. Louis. Um, my parents, however, did grow up in the inner city and, um, you know, moved away during their young adulthood and into like their family life. But, um, you know, there's definitely some things that, that couldn't be improved there. Um, there are some work, a lot of work that needs to be done while I was there. You know, I did do all of my schooling there. I attended the university of Missouri, St. Louis for my undergrad and, uh, Washington university for my graduate work. And I was fortunate enough to also um, work alongside, at the time, uh, Mayor Francis Slay. I was a part of his um, project as far as for basically 
helping to reorganize, uh, recertify some of the city schools that had lost their accreditation um, and some of the city public schools. And he brought in some team, uh, a team of people who could help with that, not just educators, but also people that were in um, industries of science and math, which is my background. Um, I have a Bachelor of Science in um, Biology as well as Business and then a Master of Applied Science in Biomedical Engineering. And so um, I did a lot of work in the area with helping to like redesign the curriculums as well as um, working with a fiduciary agent of Missouri uh, called Arches, which is called, which is, stands for Area Resources for Human and Community Services. And basically their job was to um, find contracts or create contracts with some of the larger uh, companies, corporation, educational facilities in the area um, to offer these services to the community, whether it be health, education, um, whether it be simply just you know, finding ways to help offer food and give food to children that maybe would get food during the day at school, but during the weekends when they went home, there was no one there for them or they lived without food and um, would send food for home with them to have for the weekends or even just after school programs. So, you know, I made sure that no matter what was going on that, you know, this is my community um, that gave so much to me that I had to make sure to give back. So, you know, I think that in comparison, um, there's a lot there and there's a lot to be said for what they are trying, what certain people are trying to do in both areas. Um, I applaud the work that's being done by um, Mayor, Mayor Bowser in D.C., um, especially with, you know, making sure that it's really all about helping the people that create the city. Um, because if you don't have those people and those people aren't thriving, then your city's not going to thrive. And I think the same thing in Baltimore as well. Well, yeah, uh, absolutely. Of course. Um, there's so many uh, we, that you brought up. Uh, one, yes, uh, um, of course, there's really a lot of comparisons, uh, a lot of things that are um, in common with St. Louis and Baltimore in general. Yes. Um, we, we, we stole their baseball team. Um, <laughs> we both have football teams that were stolen from from us um <laughs> well uh, they kind of went back and forth back so and forth you're right. have, but i think yeah but most of them were all taken away yeah yep. i will say st louis um my mom is it was a former cardinals cheerleader uh when the cardinals existed in st awesome. louis <laughs> um hence where you know i've been a dancer probably i started dancing when i was three and uh she was a dancer as well um as well as her regular job but you know she so has is that passion for dance so is that where the the dance portion of your life really um comes from is that is absolutely that, was, okay so absolutely absolutely so, so I my guess... mother was an instructor for a long time before um she kind of stopped instructing more so because of you know professional work reasons and you know having a family and children and that whole thing <laughs> yeah so my i guess my underlining question about st louis so there, it's definitely a community where there's opportunities, but you have to seek them yes. out. They're they're just not. Yeah. But the I think, it, it, but I think that's with everywhere. I think that true. honestly, to be yeah, I think it's with everywhere. I mean, you have, um, you know, in St. Louis, you have some of the top. Um, you have a couple of the some of the top um, 
schools in the country as far as universities, Washington University, mm -hmm. St. Louis University. You have some of the top hospitals and, you know, research labs. You know, um, you have home to many um, world headquarters um, and things of that nature. But, yes, I think as with any place, it's, it's not necessarily just going to be um, given to you. <laughs> now, I will say that, you know, I think the difference and the advantage is that it is a smaller place with a smaller population of people. So there's probably not as much um, competition. However, um, you know, you, it is what it is. I think, I think these days, it's not the same as, you know, hey, if you happen to exist in a city, then you've got you know, everything at your feet because, you know, hey, people can move and people can come there. And so, you know, it doesn't take much for somebody that's not from that area to come in and maybe take that spot that you were uh, that you were looking at. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm been, I'm probably um, willing to take a bet that it was probably more competitive to be a cheerleader for the Rams in St. Louis than it would be to be a cheerleader um, anywhere else because, there was um, more people that wanted to do it and there's less opportunities because there's not as many teams. So there's probably many more people trying out um, for those auditions. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, it's so funny because it's like, I try it ha hearing you say that it just kind of brought me back to my first year um, auditioning for uh, Rams as a, as a rookie. And actually my very first year that I auditioned, um, it's funny. There were so the St. Louis Rams um, came to St. Louis in 1995 or 1994, technically, and um, their first season, their very first season, um, I was actually a junior in high school, and I remember that um, when we're they getting first very came, old. We're, we're, <laughs> <laughs> I know, hey, right? I, I, I I'll admit it. I'm a class of 2000, so I I'm. That's okay. You're you're so you're you're right there with my with my younger brother. So I'm class of '95, and okay. so I um I'm willing to I, call my own self out. I don't call out a lady, good. but I, uh, but I call myself out all the time. That's okay. I'm I'm 42 and proud of it um, because I feel very blessed to uh, be where I am when I am, and uh, hopefully as as long as I can. So I am very uh, very thankful for every day and every breath in my body. But I um, yeah, I I think back to that time, and you know, I remember not really having a whole, like being, I don't want to say not being super excited about it, but not really initially thinking that it was something for me. Main reason, um, I am a classically trained dancer. Um, I started dancing point at 11, 11 and a half, 12. Um, and all the others, you know, can ballet, point, jazz, tap, you name it, I do it. Um, and I spent pretty much most of my life in the studio. Um, when I got to high school, I was fortunate enough to be a part of a high school team that was noted, um, nationally. We did the whole ESPN thing. We were, uh, national champions, dance team champions at, you know, on ESPN for numerous years and things of that nature. And so, you know, I had a lot of those opportunities to do those kinds of things and performances. So that part of things was very, uh, familiar for me however so were you um, were you world champions with ncaa or or um, um national champions uda uda okay 
so that's UDA, that. So yeah. You shouldn't, but you shouldn't gl- gl- gloss over that. That's a <laughs> like um, yeah, numerous years. So I went to uh, I attended Pattonville High School in St. Louis, and with you know begging my parents, I was actually supposed to attend uh, Rosati Kane, which is a all girls Catholic high school because I grew up Catholic. Um, I attended the cathedral in St. Louis, and that usually is like one of the schools you know that you go to for high school. If you choose to go to like say like an all girls school versus say uh, mixed gender school, um, however, at the time um, my family had moved closer to Pattonville, and I had a couple of family members who had already attended there. Not to mention, of course, just I knew they had an award winning dance team, and it probably sounds kind of funny, but I literally made a deal with my parents that I was like, if you let me audition as a freshman for this dance team and if I make it you know you have to let me go to this school which I initially they were not really keen on me attending a public high school um but, but you know that a large one but that that <laughs> no no right that but that um that discussion happens on the guy side too if they want to play football yeah. or baseball yeah so yeah absolutely absolutely I, it's the same and that's why I, say, I think it's a very kind of similar thing and I and I really had to like convince them I even went into the whole like you know hey if I get if I make it and I go look how much tuition you're gonna save you know I mean I had the whole like the charts and the whole nine yards so um. <laughs> so would you, would you say that that in retrospect that you made the right the right bet there like betting on yeah, yourself I, and I and doing so. that I think so I think because that was that was another uh, opportunity although you know albeit I didn't probably recognize it as that at my young age at that time where I was being placed you know um and I you know I'm I'm a very uh spiritual religious person so I will say God will moved me to do something that was probably going to be uncomfortable that was going to be different that was going to be a little bit hard because I you know I came up kindergarten through eighth grade, um, one school pretty much in this very protected, you know, environment where I knew everyone and they knew me and, you know, I didn't really ever change from that whole situation. But then going into this larger pool that I really knew nothing about, but had enough confidence to possibly explore. And so for me, that was, I think, a moment of probably my first time feeling like, okay, hey, I'm jumping out of my box a little bit um, here. And so, you know, I had a wonderful high school experience. Um, It was kind of funny. I did go, like, as I said, I went to school. I had some family members there. I was the youngest of all of my family members. There were nine other family members that I had that happened to go to the same school, and they were all boys. Um, I was the only girl. And the youngest, and so I pretty much had no dates until I was like a senior. <laughs> but is that more of a correlation because of of the brothers always hanging around, or or is that because um, correlation that that you you were always hanging out with the girls, working on dance and both? It was probably a little bit of both. One, I wasn't allowed to. My parents said no dating till seventeen, and for me, seventeen, I was a senior. Um, and that was their rule, which was fine with me. Cause I was always very busy and not to mention, I think like all of my boy cousins, they were all like football players and they just pretty much threatened everybody who would possibly. So they did I, their job. Had moments. <laughs> I guess 
guess so. I guess so. In hindsight, I'm just like, y'all were ridiculous, but it was, you know, it was funny. Um, I, to look back on, it's funny. And some of the guys that I hear stories now, um, when I go to like reunions that were like, you know how many times I like looked over my shoulder before I actually came over to you at your locker. Cause I thought like one of your cousins was going to come snatch me up by the neck. And I was like, no, I never really thought about it, but um, you know, they did a good job of kind of keeping it from me per se. So that so do I you, didn't have like, <laughs> so do you think, well, no, no. I, so do you think that's another triggering factor why you've become a successful is that you have such a um, large amount of, influence family that um i think so i yeah yeah i think definitely i think even when i um you know going back to you you know asking about the rams i think even when i you know first thought about auditioning for rams and um thinking about it in a sense of is this would be something that would be appropriate for for me because honestly i'm looking at these gorgeous girls you know and of course the first year you had um, everybody was from St. Louis. They the St. Louis Rams, which were formerly the L.A. Rams and are now the L.A. Rams again. Um, you had some of the you know the head staff that came from Los Angeles, and I remember looking at them as um, an 18 year old. Uh, the first year I tried out, going, "Oh my God, I just I don't look like that, and I don't know if my body will move like that." And you know, kind of being a little. Um, little shy about doing it. And actually my very first year I auditioned um, because I, a little backstory on them, when they first arrived in St. Louis, um, the auditioning age was 21 and up. And that was a huge factor because one of the main sponsors was Budweiser, which is based out of St. Louis, Missouri and, um, and headquartered there. And so because they were such a huge um uh, as far as a, uh, what do you sponsor? And yeah. All that, there's, they were, there's that weird yeah. law that says that yeah. you, that underage, <laughs> you can't like hold beer <laughs> right. and you can't advertise. Right, right. And they were typically, concerned about that. Right. Yeah. Because typically like right now, the Redskins and Ravens, the audition is, as long as you have, they want you to have a, a high school diploma and they weren't proof of it. But as long as you're over 18, they let you audition. So, right. So. Right. And so, and I think what, one of the things is that, you know, they were responsible and at the time they had, um, they had a huge stake in building the dome and all of that when the Rams came to St. Louis. And so, which is understandable, they put in a lot of money and they just wanted to basically make sure they covered themselves and make sure that there was no issues. And there was a lot of promotion, um, you know, the very first year they did things with, you know, uh, taking photographs um, with the, like the Clydesdales and all of that. So they didn't want to have any issues with anybody saying, oh, you've got this girl in a picture with a Clydesdale on in uniform, but big Budweiser across it, she's not 21. So, um, but after the first two years, which the second, which was the second, their second year is the year I auditioned, um, they decided to drop the age to 18 and just kind of, um, basically they would obviously just, you know, manage who did what types of promotions. And if, obviously if it was a promotion that required somebody to be of a certain age, then obviously that's, those are the people that they would choose. Um, and so I auditioned that year 
And that was literally uh, the first year I was 19. It was actually 95 uh, going into 96. I hadn't turned 19 yet. And uh, I didn't make it. And I actually made it through all of the finals and got to the part where they send the girls out on uh, promotions just to see how they'll do and um, all of that. And I didn't make the final cut. And I remember being told by the head that, you know, we, we love you. We think you're a great dancer. But the higher ups just think you look too young. <laughs> and Whoa. I was kind of like, okay. Mm. And, you know, it wasn't that bad of a thing because I thought to myself, well, I can't do anything about that. Right. I can't really, you know, I can't make myself look any older necessarily. But, but that's such than a, what I look like. But that's such a, <laughs> for, to say that to a girl is such a negative because we're only going to get older. So what are you going to say when well, we're on the well, other side? You're it. just too, yeah. you're just too old too. I mean, well, my, my I, body I looks that, f- you know, phenomenal. You know, I'm in the best shape. My, <laughs> well, you know, like, and I, like I said, well, and I will say, you know, I was, I was, it's, it's funny that, you know, again, I'm talking about this cause I was uh, back home. I was having this conversation um, with a cousin of mine. We were just kind of reminiscing and I was like, yeah, I said, but you know, when I look back at, like, say if I look at a calendar or a photo of, like, that team, the year that I didn't make it, and I looked at a, a photo of myself, I was like, yeah, I would probably look like the 12-year-old girl in a photo with these, like, grown women. And so um, I was like, that's fine. But one of the things that they did say, they said, you know, we really, really, really want you to come back. So, you know, please come back next year. And I actually was asked to come in for a meeting to be told I didn't make it, which most of them were, everybody was just told over the phone. (laughs) Um, And so, but, you know, later on, I was told that the reason for that is that they really wanted to impart the sincerity that they thought that I would be an excellent member to the team. Um, Of course, you have more people at the wheel than just the people that are in charge of the team. Um, And that was probably my first introduction to, uh, the entertainment world, in a sense, and um, aka as a politics, young adult, right? Exactly, as a young adult, and I said, okay, that's fine. Um, I didn't choose to come back the very next year, but I did come back um, the following year, and so my rookie season was actually 1997 uh, into 19, 1998. No, 1997 into 1998. And, um, I made the team and, you know, it was great. Um, I continued to cheer and I, I took off a couple of years in between and then I officially retired in 2007. So in that time frame between going, um, you know, you're too young until you auditioned <laughs> that, that too, what are you doing? Cause you, you said your mom is a big dance person. She, she owned yeah. her own studio. Is that correct? Is that, that I'm, well, no, she that? Didn't, well, she, she, no, she didn't own a studio, but she danced. She uh, taught she, at a studio. She for taught many, many, many. Okay. Yeah. For so many years. She had a background. Um, so, so yeah. are you, are you just taking classes yourself then? Or oh my are, gosh, well, no, are you between, on other you teams? In between the, yeah. In between the, uh, the, the, the years that, that I was cheering or in between the years between like, the year be- the, the pre before you're making before 90 between 1995 and 97 um oh, oh. i mean i was i um i started college um so you, you know, so you spent uh, those I, you spent that 8 16 months going to college then in yeah, your college I was in school i mean i always danced i was um i uh i still i by that time i was at i, w- I was teaching classes as well as still 
taking dance classes and things like that. I was in school. Um, I lived on campus and things like that. I, I went to school in the area, but I um, the way my scholarship was set up is that I lived on campus. And so, um, yeah, I was doing that. Um, so I decided. I, I guess the question I, I guess the, um, I guess my point, the question was, is the youth, you feel that from a skills perspective, you were a master at your skill and then you were just waiting to get a little older to, to, think, to fill think, into the I team I, where, yeah, I think I just, um, you know, I wasn't one who was like, honestly, like it wasn't something where I was like, Oh my God, this is something I have to do. Um, I remember, I think I had family members that asked me more than I asked myself, like, you know, or decided on my own, like, Oh, are you going to try again? Are you going to try again? And I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. We'll see when that time comes. And I think, you know, because I knew when the audition process was going to happen. Um, I remember when it came around the very next year and I remember my mom asking me, are you going to try out this year? And I was like, ah, and at the time, I think I decided not to try out the very next year because really, to be quite honest, I was really just heavily engrossed in my studies at the time. Um, I had just decided to take on a, um, a part-time job as a, as a fitness trainer, because I decided to take on a, uh, to take a, um, uh, the ACSM, um, certification. And, you know, I wanted to do something. I happened to have like a couple of free days in my schedule as far as school goes where I didn't have classes. Um, and so I was just doing other things. And so it wasn't a, a huge priority for me. And then, you know, and of course, you know, I, I always continued to dance just because that was, dance is just, was just a part of my life. So I'm sure that I honed additional skills. But, you know, I think, again, the skills process wasn't really a part of the factor, um, to be quite honest. And not to say that, like, oh, I was the best dancer on the team. But, you know, it was, I do think that what, what the difference in time was and what I, I garnered in that time was just maturity. I think, you know, going on to a squad at 18, which I was on the squad with um, a couple of 18 year olds during, <laughs> during my stint of time there, um, some newly turned 18 year olds versus, you know, coming onto the squad at age 20, you know, I think was, a, you know, a very big difference. And there was, you know, a difference in me, not just, um, I don't really think there was a huge physical difference, quote unquote, honestly, but I do think there was a difference in just the way that I probably would have handled my schedule, the way I probably would have balanced my time. Um, and so I think, you know, again, this is one of those moments where I feel like, you know, this was a door that was purposely shut for me to say, ah, you're not ready for this quite yet. Um, I want to impart something more in you before you leap into this next phase of your life. And I think, you know, once that, you know, God saw that I was ready for that, then he opened that door. Um, and then it was, you know, pretty much off to the races from there. But um, yeah, you know, I think during that time, I just had time to grow up. I just wanted to take one second from this great interview and talk about our sponsor of the week, Mid-Atlantic Video and Photography Productions. No matter if you're planning a wedding, a special event, or you just need an amazing headshot, they are the team to get the job done. You can reach out to them at 443-422-3830. Again, that's 
3830. Or you can go just go right to their website at mavpp.com. Now let's get right back to the show and listen to this great interview. You've spent three or four years um, being a Rams cheerleader. Is that how many how many um, years? Did um, you- in total, I cheered for seven. Seven. I mean, seven, but that, wait, I that's had a couple breaks in between. Okay, but, but I cheered wow. for total for seven. So ninety eight to uh, or ninety seven, ninety eight was my was my rookie season, and I retired in oh uh, seven. Okay, so it, um. Usually when you cheer that long, um, did they make you a co-captain or were you a captain or a line <laughs> so or, I, or, or, or line, line captain? Line yes. Captain. Yeah. That's what they call it, line captain. So, um, in 2005, so my first two years, so my first year on, I had my first year and then, um, I got actually engaged, um, to my first husband, um, during my second, at the beginning of my second year. And, um, got married in that, in that year and then, um, or got married at the, during the why during why football season wasn't in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, um, did my next year and then a year in, uh, after a year, uh, well, the season was over and then we found out we were pregnant with my daughter. Um, so I had did two seasons and, uh, we'd been married for about a year. A little more, I guess. And then um, decided, obviously, not to come back. It was actually right after I found out I was pregnant. um, I was actually at Super Bowl 33. Um, Oh, that's cool. uh, Yeah, so uh, we're at Super Bowl 33 and in Miami. That's a good one. So was that that an expected um, Super Bowl for... That, that's the well is the that rams the, weren't in the super bowl but we I'm had ge- to go so the cheerleaders usually cheerleaders from all over the nfl are um brought in to do like special appearances for um events and things like that during super bowl gotcha i was getting the yeah. one confused with is it is, is pro it, bowl well which one is the one where um um they the, the gentleman that um um, came from uh, semi pro league, um, and then you guys um, made the Super Bowl that year. Uh, I'm trying to. Um, what is that? Oh, so um, so our Super Bowl. So Rams went Super Bowl um, twice. Um, so but and had one win. So uh, the first Super Bowl was actually 1999, 2000. They won okay, in 2000. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So Super Bowl. I actually missed that Super Bowl. Oh, so you. <laughs> Okay, so you missed, missed that one. I, that, I, was gonna... I missed that Super Bowl because I had my daughter. So she was born in September of 1999. And so that was the year that, of course, I took off. And um, I missed that Super Bowl. And But I was actually right back on the field in April of 2000. <laughs> um, and hey, so you know, that was Super Bowls are once in a lifetime. Your child yes. is a miracle for the rest of your life. So, you know. Oh, absolutely. So per- perhaps that was a better gift. There you go. Yeah. Well, and I did have the opportunity to still go. So they didn't win, but, but you know, um, so yeah, so it was still wonderful to be a part of it and to be a part of the excitement and everything else. So, but I, I still like, you know, one thing about Rams and even still to this day, um, even when they're in LA, so we, there's a term that everyone calls and we, that they have had ever since the beginning of the inception of their team and they call themselves a, a Ramley. 
and anybody who's ever been a part of the organization is part of the Ramily. And, um, you know, even as an alumni, like literally it's, 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 it's still always going to be, I'm always going to feel like they're my team, probably nowhere, no matter where they are. Um, just because of the way the organization was, I, I have to say that that was probably the best part of being a cheerleader is being part of the organization. It's an amazing organization. And I give all of the credit to the people at the helm. Um, they, you know, they truly embody being a family and, you know, supporting each other, no matter what your role is there. And so um, it was actually a wonderful and empowering place to be because they really, I don't know about other organizations just because I've never been a part of them, but um, you know, the cheerleaders, of course we had our role as the cheerleaders, but you know, they really did see us as ambassadors of the team. Um, a part of a, a part of our uh, interview process was, you know, a full on, you know, business interview you know, come dressed in your suit as if you're applying for a regular corporate job. And, you know, you're not only interviewed by, you know, the person who is going to be in charge of you, but, you know, a couple of heads of the organization, you've got team players as well, you know, and it's, they really want to see what you're about. And, you know, if you can handle yourself in the community, because you are a representative of this organization, and will probably be a representative of the organization forever, as long as you're attached to it, or someone can, you know, see that you were attached to it. And so they want to make sure that they have upstanding individuals um, for as much as they can, you know, control that. And so, um, I mean, that only know, makes, I, that only makes sense. It makes I, sense. It makes so. sense. It does. I think that people though, you know, obviously, you know, you only see one part of things, you know, a lot of times. And so you don't see all the other things behind the scenes. Um, back in St. Louis, it was called Rams park where, you know, corporate offices were, where everything kind of took place and, you know, rehearsals, practices, you name it. And, um, you know, Rams park was always a place where when you walked in the door, I just remember it didn't matter if it was a security guard or, or the receptionist. And I literally have no idea how they, how they know this or how they were trained to know this, but every single person, it didn't matter if they were brand new or had been there for years, literally knew every person's name and face from the moment they would walk in the door. Um, Wow. And and we're talking about the, ninety. We're talking about the nineties. So it's not like they're cheating with like the, the smart, the smartphones. Yeah, no, there was no, there was no. Right, exactly. None of that. That you could just. I mean, literally walking into rehearsal. Um, when I cheered, um, I used my middle name, which is Michelle, because um, one of the things is that, of course, unfortunately, like this was also something I learned as far as being new into the public array of entertainment. Um, is that they're like, well, you know, you kind of have a very distinct first name, which can make it very easy to find you. And for safety reasons, you know, and there were a couple of other girls that actually had, there was a girl from Hawaii who had a very, um, you know, distinguishable name. They're like, you know, we'd rather do something that makes you a little less distinguishable so that you just don't have, you know, the issues. <laughs> <laughs> with people trying to look you up and find you. And so, um, which I was completely fine with that. And so I was Michelle as far as when I cheered. And um, so, but yeah, I could walk through the doors and literally it could be any security guard, 
any receptionist, anybody in the office, hey, Michelle, you know, everybody knew who everyone was. And so, you know, it was just, it was, it's always, it was, it was always an honor to be a part of the team. And um, yeah, in 2000, later in the years, I was actually asked if I was interested in being a line captain. Um, it was during like uh, my last couple of years that I was there. And I actually turned it down because I knew that there were certain responsibilities that came alongside with being a line captain. And at the time I had a pretty demanding job that was in the public eye with the mayor as well as a daughter. <laughs> um, and, you know, at the time I was also uh, later in, later in those years, my first husband and I had separated and divorced. And so, you know, I was a single mom that had a pretty high ranking public job and I had it. And I was just like, that just wasn't something that I wanted to take on. If it, if it wasn't for dance, not let's not specifically put it on the Rams. If it wasn't for yeah. dance and your mom's influence in dance, are you still the same success or is dance what um, first motivated you to be as successful as you are? I think that being in dance was something that initiated discipline in my life. Um, and discipline, not in the same sense that you get from your parents, obviously, um, or anyone that is a guardian, you know, of, you know, do this, do that or right and wrong. But the discipline of self and being self-motivated, I do think that, you know, there are people who are naturally self-motivated. I, I, I like to think that I'm kind of one of those people that, you know, it doesn't really take something to motivate me. Um, I think that, you know, I am one of those people that once, and probably if you ask anybody that knows me kind of once I get something in my mind and once I'm ready to do something, then I'm full speed ahead. Um, 1000% in and I cut no corners. And so I do think that dance kind of helps shape that because, you know, any one who's ever, you know, studied dance or has had that be a part of their life, especially from a young age, knows the amount of sacrifice of time, energy, as well as um, just other things that you make, but you make them willingly. You know, I definitely didn't have, my mom wasn't a stage mom. She's never been that kind of a mom. She's definitely, my mom was, was probably the free spirit of between my two parents. She was the one that was always like, do what makes you happy, find your joy, whatever it is. And, um, you know, so she definitely wasn't someone who was like, you must do this because I do it. But I just remember just I have always loved it. It was just in me to love. And I did. And so because of that, in you know, it was great that my mother also loved it. You know, my mother was also a singer. Um, I sang, you know, I never did it professionally. She did. <laughs> but, you know, I had a bigger love of dance and then for singing. And so, you know, it was just, I think that it's just a part of me. And so, yeah, I do think that it really did help shape that part of me early on to be excellent. And it gave me just enough of, I think, of a, of a competitive spirit. I'm not a super competitive person. I'm probably more competitive within myself than I am with others. However, I do think that it gave me that um, 
I mean, what I'm backbone. Well, but I keep what I keep on hearing is that it gave you a purpose. It gave you discipline, time management. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It it taught you skills. Um, yeah. Eating habits. Um, yeah. I mean, you have to do that. I mean, when you are, I was actually talking to my husband the other day. I said, you know, I remember very well, and it was just it did it. It wasn't a big deal for me because it was just my everyday. But, you know, getting out of school, especially like if I think about it, think around like my maybe like my middle school years, especially, but getting out of school at 3.30, being in the studio for my first dance class at 4.30, having like a 45 minute break or hour window, um, the dance school I went to actually had a homework room where it was a classroom setup where like if you had a break between classes you go do your homework and they were very insistent on that they were like you don't goof off in the hallways if you are here and you're waiting for a class and you don't have homework then they gave you like chores to do in the studio so most of the kids like they didn't skip their homework you know um and i think it, it was a very kind of uh even though you know somebody else and you know we're talking about like you know late 80s early 90s oh i know so, i know i'm, I'm thinking know. today I don't, i'm thinking today you'd have to take away everyone's cell phone because right there's like no, there's no cell phones there's no internet there's no it was like, just, and so i don't know how it was i know th- i know i love the idea but the um of having a, something Today like that. Today is a little it's, different. Uh, yeah, because I think different. I think yeah. people just. Um, but I remember that. I remember that because um, we'd yeah. also have a free. I'm sure you remember having a free period in um yeah, in high and right. um high, high school. school right where right, you could do that right. too. But they that right. wouldn't that would there was no way that would go. You know that that it yeah. would just. And so I mean I'm I'm grateful for that because I think that that taught it was it was like you were saying earlier that time management piece. It was like okay here. You have a time. You can't go anywhere. It's not like I could leave, you know. Um, I couldn't drive. You know, it's not like I was driving anywhere. They didn't allow you to, like, leave the studio and walk across the street to some place and get, you know, you weren't allowed to, like, you know, they were very serious about we are entrusting, you know, these parents are entrusting their children and these minors to us. So, no, you couldn't just jump up and leave the studio and go someplace. Um, And so that's what you did. And so I would take class, do my homework take another class or two, um, depending on what the day was and then get picked up from, you know, um, usually, you know, around the seven o'clock time. And this was usually like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, most of the time, not Monday, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, not Fridays. Um, and go home, have dinner. If I had homework, more homework to finish up, do that, get ready for bed, go to bed, do the same thing the next day. And so that was my life, you know, until probably high school when I kind of, I didn't take as many classes in the studio once I got into like my junior, senior year in high school, because I was part of the dance team that was, we had, that was extremely, um, you know, very rigorous. And so, you know, we had early morning practices before school, we had after school practices. And so that kind of became my dance studio for a couple of years. But yeah, I think all of that, 
all of it. And I, I give credit to not only, you know, my dance instructors in the studio, but also my coaches um, during high school, because it, they really instilled not so much the idea that you can do whatever you want, but you can do it, do it well, do it excellent and be at the top of your game if you want to and if you want it bad enough. And so I think that 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 inner spirit of, you know, go get what I want and get it how I want it and do it with excellence and integrity definitely came from there. So are 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 do you feel that in today's environment a young a young girl this she could take the same skills and the same things and be successful like if she's struggling or like is is it basically the same fundamentals or because infrastructure and um uh social uh uh stresses and you know like we're talking about just the cell phone right are, are things right, a little right. bit more difficult on that on the social I think that the in- yeah i think the influences are different now i do i think that they can take the same ideals and properties and characteristics of life and apply them and be successful absolutely girl boy anyone um, yes. Are there more distractions of life, um, in life today and, you know, different areas where it, it's a little easier to, to kind of go wayward if you will. Um, sure. You know, I mean, I, I have a daughter who is, who just turned 20 and, um, you know, I watched her, I guess she is a, I guess mom. I guess she's considered, I don't know, whatever her generation is. <laughs> she's probably millennial. Um, she's probably considered. She's a, she's a, she's a, uh. Because she grew up with millennial? cell phones, so she's probably well, she millennial. Was born, yeah, she, she was born at the end of 99, so. Oh, yeah, yeah she's a millennial. She's a millennial. Okay, so, basically, so she grew up with these things as they were becoming. So, you know, as you probably, as you know, you know, the internet didn't become huge. It was there. Um, but 95 is the year that 95, 95 is the year where everything popped off. AOL, AOL, windows 95. That that's the year. All of that. that Everyone's like, and and everything started growing from there. I feel like everyone's brain just exploded in 95. I'm like, Oh my God, you can, (laughs) you can buy stuff. Oh my, look, 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 you can, you can see naked, (laughs) you can see naked photos and you can buy stuff and you can buy airplane tickets. Oh my God. What is this? Right. What is this? Um, I yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's the, the snowball effect of that happened. Um, and things just began to rapid, you know, grow at a rapid pace. So yeah, in today's age, I do think that you can, again, as you said, I think you can take those same, those same ideals, um, those same characteristics, those same, um, things that, that were instilled in me and be successful. I do think it takes a little more, um, personal focus and dedication because I do think that, yeah, there's a lot more to be distracted by. Um, it's a lot easier to take a failure and just leave it as that and not turn it into something else. Because I do think that there are more ways for people to just kind of out themselves or give up. And, um, you know, and it's, it's hard, but I do think that, you know, I have an experience. 
you know, I brag on her all the time, but I, I have a very, I, what I feel is a very extremely successful daughter who has, you know, been an example of someone who has grown up in these times, you know, um, she has been fortunate to probably be provided with probably all of the technologies, if not more (laughs) that have ever kind of been out there. And, you know, I look at her and she is naturally and has always been a self-starter. She's always held herself to a level and a standard that, um, you know, that was excellence. I've never had to micromanage her for any reason. Um, she's now a sophomore in college and, um, she's valedictorian of her high school class, you know, and she has a true sense of self and, you know, these are all things that uh I, you know, would want her to have the same as I'm sure my mother wanted me to have. Taking the natural smarts are clearly in your genes, but like, (laughs) no, 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 it's, it's actually, you know, it's a compliment to to you guys, how hard you work. Um, but for someone, maybe they're, they're challenged. So I basically, to sum it all up, I basically, uh, even if you don't do well on the, on the score page when it comes to um, school, it's, it's, you don't have to be, um, valedictorian, um, and, but you can still, it just, it's just, uh, it's the, uh, overall effect of, right. Yeah. It's a mindset because I mean, there weren't, it's not, that doesn't mean if you were to ask her have you ever done bad at something? Have you ever failed something? If you were to ask me that, that most people who are, I believe the most successful people are the people who have failed tons of times. And when I say fail means you failed at a lot of different things, because, um, if you fail, you get the opportunity to learn and you get the opportunity to grow and you get the opportunity to rebuild and do something different and better the question and the the difference is whether or not you take that opportunity. And I think that is the difference between people who truly, truly are successful in life. And when I say successful, I don't attach a dollar sign to that. Um, success in life is that, you know, you're really living in your purpose and you're doing the things you want to do. Um, but I do think that, yes, failure, huge thing. Um, you must have a, you must be willing to fail. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with you. And I think that one of the things that are, is so important is just trying to find what is the most important thing to you and trying to excel it. So, you know, you clearly, you found that dance is what was going to be the most thing that was going to allow you to excel. It was definitely a part. Yeah, it was definitely a part of it. I mean, now granted, I'm also equally passionate about like, you know, my, well, I guess you could say kind of what my trade is, my background and what I studied. And, you know, I'm again, fortunate enough to have the opportunity. I had had the opportunity to go to school and study, you know, what I wanted I didn't necessarily study some people. I mean, granted, I got jobs because of my degrees, but I truly, that's, I went to school wanting to study biology and wanting to study 
um, engineering. And so I was fortunate to be able to do that because I had a love for it. I have a love for research and um, especially um, anatomical and biomedical research, you know, because it's interesting to me. (laughs) Um, So so, I guess my philosophy is that motivation and also drive doesn't necessarily come from from book smart it comes from ambition it comes from within yeah it comes from within right it just has to be something that you want for yourself so then the cheerleading um the heartbreak and the the struggle of making the team and then staying on the team for long is actually a good life lesson because they still and they're still really young in life so that you are more successful so it's definitely, yeah. in my opinion, from everyone that I've interviewed, they seem like they're a much more well-rounded person because they've taken those really hard. Um, oh yeah, those uh, those leaps of yeah those of emotions and also boundaries yeah. so early in life that when it comes to like a divorce or loss right. of loss of family, they those things are are not trivial, but they're you know yeah you've, you've well you know through. it's it's. Yeah, it's funny because it's, uh, you know, I, one of the things that um, I'll never forget is, um, so, you know, my, my husband, now my second husband, um, but my husband, so, you know, we met in St. Louis, he went to med school there at Wash U um, during the time I actually had just finished um, grad school there when we met. And um, I'll never forget on my little, on our wedding day, um, little note that he delivered to me with, um, with, with a wedding gift, which, um, on there he mentioned, he said, you know, because of the fact that I had gone through a failed marriage and, um, you know, I, I, I use the word fail because I think, again, I think if you, if you fail at something and it doesn't matter whose fault it is, because I think when you're talking about something like a marriage, if the marriage doesn't work, it's a failure for both people. No matter if one person was at fault for something or not, it's still a failed marriage. And a marriage is a combination of two people. So, you know, I always look at it as, and I looked at it as, you know, it's unfortunate. I had great parents who said, you know, hey, you know, you guys did the best you could. Unfortunate things happened. You guys did it. You worked out and it in the best way you could. But in the end, it didn't work out. But, you know, ultimately, what's most important is that you learn from it, you grow from it, and you're better from it. And so I do think that that was I and actually, to this day, um, I will still say that I think, you know, a conversation that I had, uh, one of the last probably conversations right before I got remarried, I actually had with my ex husband, where he said, you know, I am so happy that you found someone that, you know, definitely matches your spirit. But I think also, and I told him, you know, thank you for helping me to learn how to be a better wife. Because I think that in failure of something like that, even if you can sit back and say, well, it wasn't my fault. (laughs) um, I do think you have to be able to figure out what lessons did I learn from this? But I remember that um, still writing me a note that said, you know, of course, you know, can't wait to see you at the altar, blah, 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 blah. This has been many years that's in the making and we finally are here. 
Um, and then he put down, he added, because he knows I like research and, and facts. And well, so clearly you put, do. Yeah. <laughs> but he put in there, he said, you know, I, he had just re recently read something that most marriages fail due to here are the top 10 reasons why most marriages no fail. he did not and, top 10 list the, really oh the top 10 list but the funny thing was is that he said we've already gone through eight of these 10 things okay and we're still here all right and we're haven't even crossed the altar yet so basically he's like he was like so i'm not worried this is going to be great and that's awesome. Um, I like that. So it was, it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was really great. And, and, and it was true. We, um, we courted long distance, it, mostly basically for six years before we got engaged. Um, mostly because of obviously he, um, he had med school and residencies. He was also military. He served a year in Iraq. We had all of these things that, you know, so we had been through long distance, which was one of them. Um, we had been through, um, career, um, changes and, you know, issues. I had a, again, at the time when we for we lived apart for our very first year of marriage because I had to wrap up my contract with the city and he was doing a fellowship in a, in a different state. And so it just was what it was. <laughs> so our very first year of marriage, we lived apart. And then, um, you know, so we'd been through that. Uh, we went through relocation, relocation with a child, um, you know, and is all that, of these things. Is that where you got to DC when you relocated? So you had, yeah, yes. okay. yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, all of these major things that, you know, we had, uh, building a house, you know, all of these things that tend right. to pull, you know, marriages and people. It made you guys stronger. People at their, uh, yeah. At their throats. Um, he's like, we, we, we already did that. Uh, we, you know, um, uh, military was also one in there, you know, um, where, you know, he, he didn't expect to be called to, to serve in Iraq and he was called and we basically had six weeks to prepare for that. And, um, so yeah, so, you know, I look at all things as an opportunity to learn and no matter what that is, um, failures and successes alike. And I definitely feel that if I hadn't failed at my first marriage, that I wouldn't have such a great one now. Well, Hey, and as long as you feel that you're happy and you feel that you have a family, it doesn't matter how many times it takes. I like, I, well, and that's I, what I said. I, it's, it's all about, it's all about the learning experience. And I think that's with anything. I think that's with a job. I think that's with school. Um, you know, I've talked to young girls before and when I say young, I'm talking about like in their twenties, I'm sorry to the audience. I consider you young girls. Um, well, they are, they're babies, but they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're yeah, babies. No. your age. Yes. no, seriously. No, no. Think about it. I, I, I've now come to the realization that, that 30 is when you're actually an adult and you're not, you're not yeah. an adult until you're in your thirties. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think if anyone, if you are my daughter's age, if I'm looking at you and you're my daughter's age, then now you are officially, you're definitely like, I, I feel like I'm okay to say young girl or girl. And I, and I try to, I, our young woman, I try to say that more because I don't want to say girl. Cause you're not a girl, you're a young woman. But I do think that, um, you know, because there's so much pressure and I think, um, you know, at the beginning of the show, you talked about this as far as, you know, today 
of being great at everything and not failing and knowing all of the answers right away. I think that that is something that um, unfortunately our society has kind of perpetuated in a non-healthy way, a very unhealthy way. Um, And I think that has become something that unfortunately is what I think currently weighs on some of the current young adults now. And it's like, they're in the process. I think, you know, when I talk to my daughter and not that she is this way, but I do think that many of them are like, Hey, if I don't make my first million by the time I'm 30, then I failed and I'm going, okay, what? And so, because there's this ideal that has changed in the sense of what is success and how can I achieve it? And what do I have to give up in order to get it? Yeah, but even to... it, but even in our generation, that line kept on moving. I think it's just that it's line more kept on moving. I and, think yeah, I, that, and, that's the difference. I think our line kept moving in a sense of, I think we were forced. I know I was. I you know the idea of good and bad. So I think we had the idea that hey, please understand that some things are going to come with sacrifice. I think right, that that was something we had to understand. But I also think that we weren't given the understanding that there's also a possibility that you don't necessarily have to sacrifice. It's just how you kind of lay your cards. And so I do think that this generation has a little more of that. I think they have a little less of understanding that, hey, you may have to sacrifice something in order to do something. Um, I recently had a conversation with my daughter who um, she's a double major in school. And, you know, we were just kind of taught along with having, you know, her minor, but we were talking about um, how colleges, universities, you know, even though they are learning institutions, as we all know, um, you know, understanding that it, they're still a business. They're not non-for-profit. <laughs> and yeah, they, they that, make it clear that they're not a not-for-profit for sure. Right. Absolutely. And so <laughs> understanding that they're not really set up. For And as someone who double majored myself, and in at my time frame, my choice to double major also came with the understanding that I would have to tack on an extra six months to my graduation. So instead of me graduating in June of 99, I wasn't going to graduate until January of 2000 because I took on a double major. And not that that has to happen that way, but... I was like, please understand that, you know, these, these places are not set up for, for someone or really anyone to do multiple majors and be done in four years. If you can do it, great. And usually that means that somewhere along the lines, you were able to just go straight through where the majority of people had to stop somewhere. And, you know, that doesn't mean that you are behind in something. Now, I remember when I went through that same thing and I just felt like the hugest stigma because I felt like, oh my God, people are going to look at me like, why haven't you graduated yet? People who I went to high school with that graduated in 95 that are now graduating in 99 are going to be like, 
well, what happened to the salutatorian of the class and why is she still in school? What'd she do wrong? Um, which, you know, right. I think that today they have more of an understanding of that, but I wanted to make sure that she truly understood. And because of that, I, you know, not that I worried that because she, she doesn't have a mindset of really caring what anybody thinks of her, but, um, you know, at the same time, you know, I wanted her to understand, you know, they, you should try your best because of course, you know, she was fortunate enough to get a merit-based scholarship. So, hey, yes, of course, we would love for your scholarship to continue to cover all of your schooling, you know, with, uh, without having to, you know, do extra. But if it's going to take extra for you to add that extra notch and be that extra level, then so be it. And I do think that today there's not enough of that being facilitated. I think that there's not enough of mentors and people out there to say, you know what? Yes, it's going to take more work. It's going to take more time. It's going to take more effort. It might take more sacrifice, but that's okay. And getting people to that place, and especially, you know, the youth and these young adults to understand that even if it means a little more time, you know, it's worth it. And I would like to see, um, I try to be that person for anyone who comes to me or anyone that I come in contact with um, that needs it to understand that, you know, it's okay. But see, like, to, Hi but your Einstein is like so 20, so 2020, because you say that you, you say that because you know yeah. it, but yeah. on, for your daughter, uh, she, she may be pressured a little bit because it's being thrown in her face. So whoever her eyes, well, yeah, absolutely. and, and we, absolutely. we, we didn't have to go through that because when I was and growing up, we didn't have all that. Right. So that's, that. that's the one thing that's kind of, um, that's troubling is, is that yeah. you have someone, you whoever your daughter's I, I ideal person that she looks up to, you know, that right. person kind of throws that wealth that, you know, in her face. So, well, and but, I and, think it's just more of like making sure, but I, you know, I like to, I, I do feel that, Fortunately, you know, she's had some amazing influences. Um, I was honored for her to say during her graduation speech of how much of an influence, even the in the ways that I would have never thought that I was an influence to her. Um, but even other people, you know, um, you know, both of her dads, you know, her grandparents, her, you know, she even mentioned her little brother, you know, and how her little brother reminds her just watching him that sometimes you just got to giggle. You just got to have fun and it's okay, you know, because you can forget that in life. And, um, you know, I, I do think that this current generation um, of young adults and that, you know, that are coming up and getting ready to be the next generation, um, you know, leading in our corporate world um, as well as in other areas, you know, I do think that we as those people, as my generation, do need to remember that even though they're adults in the sense of they're over 18, you know, they still need that guidance and they still need that mentorship. And so um, be there to say, hey, you know, it's okay. Because I do think that is the unfortunate thing about this generation doesn't take failure very well. <laughs> and that, uh, that is true. Yeah, I do think that because, but I also think it's because there's not enough of someone there saying, hey, 
it's okay. You know, um, and I do think that if we have more of that, then you'll see a lot less, um, you know, not to be, you know, saddened, but, you know, suicide and mm-hmm. um, things of that nature that that all come from that have come from not so much necessarily always. Um, of course, you know, you have um, but that also clinical depression and things of like that, but, you know, right. other environmental factors. But that also goes back to the, the, the overall theme of the show is that that to counteract that is you you learn a talent, you learn uh, a skill like dancing or piano or violin or, or singing, yeah. and you put yourself in a situation where you can um, become a part of a team and yeah. and help to 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 like to to like shelter you from 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 the negative influences that are out there right now. So yeah, I mean, well, you have you you have people around you who care. You you create a community, and right. I think that when you are able to create a community, um, not just the one that you are given by God that you're born into, um, but you know the one that sometimes you create, um, for yourself, you know, one of the things we told our daughter when she was looking around for at colleges and trying to make a choice was, you know, she had some great options academically, you know, all of them would have been fine. However, you know, we wanted her to remember that she's going to be away from home and she has to enjoy her life as well as do well in school. And so, you have to go, you know, choose the place where number one, you feel the most comfortable. Number two, you feel that you can actually thrive, not just academically, but personally, as well as where you can find your tribe. Because if you are not surrounded by a community or you don't feel that you're surrounded by a community that would support you, then you, yes, it is really hard these days because you kind of almost set yourself up for, you know, failure in the, in the, in the negative way, because it's failure from outside, um, influences and there, or, or the lack thereof. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people in my years, you know, whether it be, you know, younger family members or whatever, who had all the tools they needed, but they just did not have the nurture of the environment or the community they needed. And, um, unfortunately, you know, that set their course off, you know, just based upon that. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, I think this is a great spot to really sum up the whole St. Louis side of the, because why I think I'm going to, if if you're okay with it, I'm going to split this into two episodes because uh, St. Louis is clearly a full, its own topic and and growing (laughs) because the way we summed it up. And I think we definitely want to give as much time to the DC topic as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess just to sum it up, you know, I, the, the way I got it was um, St. Louis is somewhere that you can definitely thrive. Um, you would encourage uh, dance or, or being part of a team in some way. And then, I mean, I keep on hearing that you need to continue to learn and fail, Absolutely. fail to fail as many times and learn from failure and continue to um, cause change. Cause I keep on, that's how, those are the themes I keep yeah. on. Absolutely. I, you, you don't grow without, 
without learning and you don't learn without failing. And so I think without all of those components, you know, success, no matter where you are, you know, is going to be difficult. You have to figure it out and um, figuring it out requires not only your own self-thought and your own self-motivation, but it also requires you being aware of things around you, people around you, and becoming aware, because that's going to happen through maturity and growth and time and age, of what it is that you require to be your best self. And that's going to be different for every person. Kenosha, thank you so much for really deep diving into your early years and um, giving us some insight on what it really takes to become a cheerleader and then what it really takes to um, succeed in life at a young age. Uh, I know that we have a lot of young listeners. I was looking at our, our demographics. We have about 90% of our listeners um, are unsubscribed. So I would really encourage you guys. I'm going to continue trying my best to get really informative people to talk and really inspire you guys. So please stay tuned. Remember, I, we do our best to make sure this show drops every Thursday. So please like us on Instagram and on iTunes. Please subscribe and give us a thumbs up or thumbs down. Tell us what we're doing right or wrong. And always stay tuned. And as a reminder, part two will be next week. And we'll see you then.